Welcome to A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk with Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Get ready to focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace through practical application. Here is your host, Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Bonjour. <laughs> Bonjour. Oh, happy day. <laughs> I am grateful for this opportunity to join with you. So let's begin with a prayer as we always do. So grateful to place my hand on my heart and wholeheartedly speak this word of love. So grateful and thankful for the infinite field of love intelligence in which we live and move and have our being. We are grateful and thankful to recognize the truth is our liberator. The truth is our way out of suffering. So we partner up with that higher Holy Spirit self. We allow ourselves to be led, guided, and directed to the very highest and best choices, the most loving, compassionate choices. We are grateful to value that which is truly valuable. And we are grateful to put an end to the crucifixion. We are grateful to recognize that the crucifixion is over and we can choose to live without it. So we are grateful to choose resurrection instead of crucifixion. We are grateful to say yes to our wholeness and our holiness. We are grateful to consciously attune to the field of perfect peace. And we share the benefits of our healing, our transformation, our resurrection with everyone because we're one with them. In gratitude, we let it be. And so it is. Amen. Amen, amen. Yes. Mm. Yes. So in uh, writing the description for this episode, I have to turn it in uh, ahead of recording the episodes. And... What came into my mind was the song by John Lennon and Yoko Ono uh, that we often hear at Christmas time because it has John singing, and so this is Christmas. And uh, but it, the song is "War is Over" if you want it, uh, and that's what came to me as the title for this episode: that the crucifixion is over if you want it. If you're willing, the crucifixion can be over. And to me, this is one of the most valuable things that we can learn in our Course in Miracles studies. But it's the application where we fall down and we can do better. So let's let's commit to that today. We were talking about committing in uh, the Sundays with Spirit service yesterday. And this coming Sunday is Easter. I'll be giving the message and doing the meditation. I invite you to come and join us for Easter Sunday at Sundays with Spirit. You can go to jenniferhadley.com on the events page and you can sign up right there. You can also uh, connect with it via the A Course in Miracles podcast page at Facebook. So if you're a fan of that page, we um, do Facebook Lives of the Sunday services there. But if you if you come, if you register for Sundays with Spirit, it's totally free. You can come and participate with us, and that's where the, the real joy is. when we join together on Zoom. Zoom, the magical Zoom. (laughs) All right, so we're talking about crucifixion here. And I am so clear about how this is our 
power tool here, recognizing the crucifixion, recognizing when we have fallen into crucifixion. So let's take a deep breath. And So in chapter 27 of the text, there is a section, uh, the first section is entitled, The Picture of Crucifixion. And this is where Jesus tells us that you cannot crucify yourself alone. You cannot sacrifice yourself alone. If you're unfairly treated, you are going to project that onto everyone. And because we're all one. So here's how we can not just help ourselves, but we can truly help our brothers and sisters. So in paragraph three, he says, whenever you consent to suffer pain, to be deprived, unfairly treated, or in need of anything, in other words, in lack, you but accuse your brother of attack upon God's Son. You hold a picture of your crucifixion before his eyes that he may see his sins are written in heaven in your blood and death and go before him, closing off the gate and damning him to hell. Yet this is writ in hell and not in heaven where you are beyond attack and prove his innocence. The picture of yourself you offer him, you show yourself and give it all your faith. The Holy Spirit offers you to give to him, your brother, a picture of yourself in which there is no pain and no reproach at all. And what was martyred to his guilt becomes the perfect witness to his innocence. This is super concentrated A Course in Miracles teaching here. Because all is one, we can save our brothers and sisters. Now, when we consent to suffer pain, to be deprived, unfairly treated, or in need of anything, we're accusing our brothers and sisters, of attacking God's Son. Now, think about how often you consent to suffer pain, to be deprived, unfairly treated, or in need of anything. It's all the time, isn't it? That we feel deprived. We feel a sense of lack and need. We feel unfairly treated misunderstood, we suffer pain. This is our attack. This is our attack. We are attacking our brothers and sisters and accusing them of attacking us. And then what we do, according to Jesus here, we're holding a picture of our crucifixion before their eyes so that they can see their sins. This is one of the most insidious things that we do. And I still feel this pattern in my awareness, in my mind. To I really do. I still feel this sense of victimhood. They've done me wrong. They've deprived me. They've treated me unfairly. It, it, can, be, it can come up all the time. You know, the bank charges you an extra $10 that, oh, there it is right there. Or uh, you buy the thing, they ship it to you, and it doesn't work properly work. I'm just thinking of things that have happened recently with me. Um, You ask someone to do something for you, they don't do it. Uh, And you've hired them to do it. Uh, It could be any number of things. And this is why one of the things I invite people to do, I know I'm sure I've shared this in the podcast at some point, that start making a list of where you believe in lack, where you feel like you're experiencing lack. Pay attention to that. It's important because this is part of this 
crucifixion. Now, let me make this point that I'm so glad I finally realized it. I can't start experiencing the resurrection until I am really quitting the crucifixion. If you think of Jesus on the cross, his resurrection started when he went into the tomb. He had to be done with the crucifixion before the resurrection could start. Are we done with the crucifixion? Are we done of believing that we are deprived, unfairly treated, in need of anything? Think about it. Think about where you're investing in crucifixion. The thing about crucifixion is we always blame our brothers and sisters. In uh, chapter 19, section 4, paragraph 20, yes, this is uh, the section that is uh, just at the very end of chapter 19. Jesus is talking about this. And he says, The crucified give pain because they are in pain, but the redeemed give joy because they have been healed of pain. Everyone gives as he receives, but he must choose what it will be that he receives. And he will recognize his choice by what he gives and what is given him. Nor is it given anything in hell or heaven to interfere with his decision. Everyone gives as he receives. What? But, but we must choose what it will be that we receive. In the course, Jesus says to us, ask and it is given because it's already been given. Everything's already been given. So we choose what we're going to receive, heaven or hell. Consider, the crucified give pain because they are in pain, but the redeemed give joy because they have been healed of pain. How do we get healed of pain? Give up the crucifixion. Give it up. Give it up. Give it up. <laughs> yes. Uh, in chapter 20, it begins with a section entitled Holy Week. And it starts, this is Palm Sunday. So, uh, we're in Holy Week as, as this broadcast is happening. This is Palm Sunday, Jesus says, the celebration of victory and the acceptance of the truth. Let us not spend this Holy Week brooding on the crucifixion of God's Son, but happily in the celebration of His release. For Easter is the sign of peace, not pain. A slain Christ has no meaning, but a risen Christ becomes the symbol of the Son of God's forgiveness on himself, the sign he looks upon himself as healed and whole. This week begins with palms and ends with lilies, the white and holy sign the God, Son of God is innocent. Let no dark sign of crucifixion intervene between the journey and its purpose, between the acceptance of the truth and its expression. This week we celebrate life, not death. Let's do that. Let's celebrate life, not death. And so let's do that every day. Let's celebrate life. Let us bring the joy because we're receiving the joy. It's up to us. We decide 
how we view things, how we interpret things, the meaning we make of things. It's up to us. And for me, what I see in my own psyche is the tendency to hold a grievance, which is why I'm sure uh, Lesson 68 is my favorite, Love Holds No Grievances, because I relate to it so much that my grievances block the light of the world in me, and I cannot experience the light of the world when I am holding on to grievances. And life will always present us with opportunities to hold grievances. Life will always do that. And we are here to teach only love. Only love. For that is what we are. When we choose crucifixion, we take everybody with us. Everybody. Because we are attacking them with guilt. They should feel guilty they did this to us. What if everything is for us and nothing is against us, no matter how we could interpret it? What if? What if that's the truth? What if we can learn to see everything works together for our good and there are no exceptions? None. Everything is for our good. Would we still feel like a victim? Would we still want to condemn others if we are willing to receive the gift of our good? See, this is what Jesus is telling us here is, will you receive the good in it? Will you allow yourself to experience the joy? Everyone gives as he receives, but he must choose what it will be that he receives, right? This is Joseph and his brothers. They said, how could you be helpful to us in our time of need when we tried to kill you? We left you for dead. Our intention was to murder you. How can you help us now in our time of need? And Joseph says, you meant it for ill well, but God meant it for good. Because Joseph was cast out from his family, so much good happened. It wouldn't have happened had he stayed at home. It would have been infighting and all kinds of mess the whole rest of his life, but that's not what Joseph's life was about. And this is the same for us. We can expend our precious energy, the energy we have to heal our body, the energy we have to heal our relationships, the energy we have to heal our finances, the energy we have to heal and heal and heal and be a healing presence in this world. All of that energy, we can expend it in holding grievances and grudges and attack thoughts And we don't have to. We have a choice. And it's a beautiful choice. It's a choice to be truly helpful, to turn the other cheek, meaning to offer something different than what we've been given so that we can be that resurrected Christ, which is our true identity. The crucified give pain because they are in pain but the redeemed give joy because they have been healed of pain. Everyone gives as he receives, but he must choose what it will be that he receives. And he will recognize his choice by what he gives and what is given him. Nor is it given anything in hell or heaven to interfere with his decision. So this is our free will. We get to decide what we will choose. We are the ones who will decide. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Think of it. Do we have a commitment to being truly helpful? Because the ones who 
are choosing to see themselves as being victims and being crucified, they give pain because they're in pain. And we can choose to share joy and receive joy. But we have to shift our perspective. We have to be willing to see that everything works together for our good and there are no exceptions, none. 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 So here's the thing that has worked for me and it's been so, so helpful to me. And that is not to decide how. Not to decide how to figure this out. Not to decide who's good and who's bad, who's right and who's wrong. Not to decide how to make them see, make them understand. Not to decide how to defend myself. All of these things that affirm I've been attacked and all of that. My work, and it is work for me, and it gets easier and easier every day in every way. But the work for me is to say, okay, everything works together for my good. Therefore, I have not been attacked. That is my perception. That is my projection. I I can see this differently. I can choose the resurrection. I've had enough of the crucifixion. Enough. Today's the day. I'm done with it. And it'll roll back around. The opportunity to choose it again, it'll keep rolling around. I see it rolling around uh, frequently, but I don't have to choose it. I don't have to believe in lack. There is no lack. I don't have to believe in it. But if I choose to believe in it, I'm going to experience it. So, instead of figuring out how, how to think about it, how to deal with it, how to respond to it, how to react to it, all these different things that we could think about, how, 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 I say, Holy Spirit, you show me. You show me how. You teach me how. You let me know. I'll wait on your command. So when I'm in my right mind, and when I'm willing, and when I'm more interested in extending love and compassion than seeking revenge, then Spirit shows me how. And it comes clear. It's I know that I know that I know, and I follow, and things go well. When I doubt, that's a time for me to wait and give that doubt over to the Holy Spirit for healing. Yes, that is my work to do, and sometimes it really does feel like tremendous work because I notice that I have this tendency to want to be the one who decides who's good and bad and right and wrong. But it does not serve me anymore, and I know that. So let me not go down that path one more time. Please. Please, oh please, oh please. No more, no more, no more. Ain't going to study war no more. This is how we can be truly helpful to say, oh, I'm so tempted to choose the crucifixion, but my heart's desire is the resurrection. I don't want to study no war, no more. (laughs) I choose the resurrection. And that's what I'm going to receive. Yes, I'm so grateful. I have a choice. Speaking of choices, there is a lot coming up. I feel so inspired. I'd like to tell you about some things very quickly here. My prayer power class is on. It's coming right up. We are going to start that prayer power class April 12th. You can always get the recordings if you can't join us live. But if you're interested, come and join my four-part prayer power class all about how to pray 
with real effectiveness. This is one of the main things that people get out of Masterful Living is a strong prayer practice. And so if you'd like to have some of that, come and join me in my prayer power class. And then next up is my uh, parenting program. That's coming up in April as well. And it's not uh, it's not open for registration yet, but Prayer Power is. What is open for registration is my Stop Playing Small retreat at the end of April. And uh, we were so successful last year. People got so much out of it. They keep wanting to repeat it. So uh, that's why I'm doing it again. And I'm offering it again with a $500 discount on Finding Freedom if you do both together. So that's an amazing package. And then my depression demolition course, a program that I'm creating just to tackle depression, that is coming up in mid-May. So lots of things on the horizon. Check out all the details at jenniferhadley.com on the events page. I am Jennifer Hadley, and you are listening to A Course in Miracles on Unity Online Radio, where we're living the love, we're walking the talk, and I'll be right back. Thank you for tuning in for A Course in Miracles, living the love, walking the talk. And we're back. Thank you so much for coming back. It's so important for us to really wrap our awareness around the truth about this crucifixion tendency. It's so strong in the consciousness of the human race, and we are here to undo it and not perpetrate it, not perpetuate it. In chapter 19... Section 4, D17. (laughs) It's a little complicated, but anyway, here's what Jesus beautifully says to us about this resurrection, crucifixion opportunity that we have. Uh, It's so beautiful here. Here's our way out of the pain and the suffering, but it does not look like that. So imagine that you are faced with a choice between three doors. And on one door is the resurrection, the remembrance of our true identity, the recognition, the full recognition that our experience is an illusion and that we can wake up from this illusion And that heaven is at hand. And uh, another door is seeking fulfillment and happiness in the world, which doesn't exist. And another door is punishment, holding grievances. That we're going to dedicate ourselves to one of these three things. The resurrection of our clear awareness of the truth and infinite joy, finding pleasure, happiness in the world, or punishment, being the victim and being the crucified one. We get to choose what door we're going to open. Now, we know what it's like to seek for happiness in the world, and we can find it. We're like, I found the perfect shoes for my outfit. Woo, I'm so happy. Oh, uh, I, I found the most delicious cake you've ever tasted. Oh, they won the World Cup. Yes. Right? We know what it's like to have that. We've settled for that and looking for that, seeing if we can get just a little more of that. And if we don't believe we can have that momentary pleasure and happiness in the world to satisfy us temporarily, we'll settle for being right about how much we have been wronged. We will settle for punishing people 
who turn us into victims. But nobody can turn us into a victim. Only we can do that. Now, to get to the resurrection, we have to go down a path we are not familiar with. We know the perverse satisfaction of feeling utterly miserable as a victim, feeling that we have been crucified, that we have been betrayed, and we are so righteously angered. We know the kind of perverse, demented sense of satisfaction that brings. That's why we keep choosing it. Because if we can't have the happiness in the world, if we can't have the happiness in our relationships, if we can't have holy relationships, and we don't believe that we can, so that's why we can't, if we can't have that, we will settle for the righteous anger, the falling into, it's not my fault, or I'm such a total loser. Something, either one, same thing, really. It's really all the same. We'll fall into that because it has an ego satisfaction that is a similar but different to the one of happiness in the world. So these pleasures and pains... They're all egoic. We're so familiar with them. We know what's involved. But if we open the door to go down the road to resurrection, the only thing we know is Jesus on the cross, what we've been taught, right? That he suffered so much. If we think of Jesus' time walking on earth with the apostles, which many of us have heard so much about. Does any of it sound like fun? Do the stories that the apostles tell us about Jesus, are, are there, where are the times when they were laughing so hard they wet their pants, right? <laughs> there, there's none of those stories in the four Gospels. It's not that they weren't there. It's not that they didn't have that. But you got to remember the thing about the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, is the one that was written closest to the time of Jesus' death was written 25 years after. And remember, it was written down in Hebrew, although they all spoke Aramaic. Jesus spoke Aramaic. He didn't speak Hebrew. He wasn't a scholar like that. Um, not I, Who knows if he could read and write Hebrew? He probably could. Um, because he was um, such a student. But who knows? Who knows? Uh, Somebody knows. I don't know. Anyway, it doesn't matter. (laughs) He spoke Aramaic to the people, and the, the folks who wrote down the Gospels wrote it down in Hebrew. Hebrew was then translated into Greek and uh, to Latin, and to English, German, all these different languages. So, And Hebrew is a language that has no punctuation. And everybody along the way had their own agenda, and often a political agenda. So we, we have what we have in terms of the four Gospels. But you, you know there had to have been times when they were laughing so hard and having so much fun. It couldn't have been just this dour journey of uh, here and there healing the sick and raising the dead and and giving the 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 sight to the blind people and uh walking uh with uh, out knowing where you're going to stay and not having uh, income and all these different things our perception of it is where, where's the fun times, 
right? Our perception of it is it doesn't sound like a lot of fun. It sounds like you're sacrificing a life of fun and playtime with your family and your children and, and going on vacations and doing whatever people would have been doing at that time, playing sports, playing cards, playing games, whatever, and telling stories. There's, there's no sense of that. It's, you have the sense of Jesus telling the stories of the parables, but none of those stories makes you laugh. Right, they're not hilarious stories of the the crazy hijinks that they got up to. No, they're always uh, very uh, somewhat subdued, somber stories of learning and making you think and making you ponder. And uh, many times, you you know the the apostles were thinking, "I have no idea what he's talking about here." I, the last shall be first. The first shall what? I don't. I don't understand this. What, why would they get paid the same amount if they show up at five o'clock? They get the same amount as the people who showed up at eight thirty. I. That doesn't seem fair. It's not right. And he, so, <laughs> you know, you think of Jesus is sleeping in the boat, and they're all terrified they're going to drown. These stories do not sound like whoop de doo. I want to go with those people. That sounds like a, just an amazing roller coaster ride of fun and awakening, enlightenment. You know, he sent them off two by two, and to to heal and and do all that he had taught them to do. And they they struggled at it. They struggled. So if we're opening that door to the resurrection, we we're not anticipating that it's going to be fun and enjoyable because we associate those things with the temporal world of form. We associate them with having a fine wine and a delicious meal and fantastic sex and great movies and wonderful conversations and playing with uh, our, our beloveds and sports teams and all the things that we associate fun with. None of that is associated with the resurrection. And it does seem like we're going to have to sacrifice everything that we would enjoy. No frozen yogurt in the resurrection, right? There's no hot fudge sundaes. There's no fantastic quiche. There's no dairy, right? There's no dairy. I was re-watching that Sermon on the Mount scene in Life of Brian. If you've never seen Life of Brian, it's a classic, really classic movie. It's probably pretty easy to find right now. It's it's Easter time. Monty Python at its best in uh, the Life of Brian. Uh, and um, one of my favorite parts is the Sermon on the Mount when you've got the people at the back and they can't hear what he's saying. And they're, they're saying, did he just say, blessed are the Greeks? The Greeks? Why the Greeks? Then, I can't hear him. You're talking. We can't hear him if you're talking. What did he say? He said, blessed are the cheesemakers. The cheesemakers? Well, I think he means the whole dairy industry, not just the cheesemakers, but all. It's, it's very funny. Anyway, there's no part of the life of Jesus and the resurrection that we think of as, I want me some of that. That looks really, really good. So we have to make a leap of faith. We have to believe what Jesus is telling us here. Now, I know for myself, the times of my experiencing the greatest joy in my human life uh, some have come, for sure, from spiritual practice and spiritual connection. Unexpectedly, moments of profound joy, weeping joy, so grateful to rise above the battlefield for a moment. Other times of really great joy have been in connecting with people that I love so dearly. And feeling in that moment that they are completely receiving the love that I'm offering them. And 
whether they're shining it back to me or not, that feeling that they're totally accepting the love I'm offering is wonderful. And I get that as a, a spiritual teacher and a counselor very often, that people are opening to receive God's love that I'm broadcasting to them. And it's not a personal love so much as just the field of love is engaged. It's one of the reasons why I love to do retreats, even online retreats and classes and be in spiritual community because we are connecting in that field of love and it's restorative, it's healing, it is resurrecting. So in order for us to actually choose the resurrection, we have to give up the crucifixion. And when we have no idea, really, in our human ego-identified consciousness, what the resurrection could really offer us, it's hard to choose it. It's like being invited to move to a place that nobody we know has ever been. We don't know what's going to be involved, and we, we have this false idea that we're going to have to give up everything we love. So I hadn't thought that, that this would even be anywhere in this part of this uh, Episode, but boy, here it comes. I'll, I'll just share that in my journey of life, uh, I was a smoker. I quit smoking three times. The last time I quit was maybe 14 years ago, and I have not had an interest in having a cigarette since then. It was very easy to quit. I just one day I was smoking a cigarette and I said, Yeah, I don't need this anymore. And I put it out, and that was the end. Um, so there was no sacrifice there. I, it was so clear to me. I, I don't want to eat this, uh, smoke this anymore. Um, and I've noticed over the years, my my diet has evolved, and I just notice these days that I eat. Very little sugar. I've seen that over the years. It just goes down and down and down. I'm not against sugar. I, I don't feel like I'm avoiding sugar. I just don't have an interest in it. I used to um, love ice cream and things like that. And I still think ice cream is wonderful, but I don't feel drawn to it. I'm, I notice I'm eating less and less dairy. Whereas cheese is one of the most delicious things in the world to me, but I'm not that interested in it anymore. Um, I've gone up and down with veganism and vegetarianism and all of that. And now I just follow my my yearnings that I can feel like, ah, I need more leafy greens today. Oh, I, I need some fruit today. I can feel my, my body is calling out for it. Um, and I've cut back on my consumption of coffee and caffeine, which I call coffee my emotional support animal. I, I love, it's my favorite thing, coffee. But I, I notice I'm, I'm drinking more water with lemon and and other things that feel like they're very satisfying to me. But I'm not thinking I have to deprive myself of anything. I don't, I don't wish to go to that space anymore because that feels like crucifixion to me. So I'm content to stop making things wrong and bad. Like, don't eat that. That's bad. If I feel like having a bacon cheeseburger, I'm going to have that. There's nothing wrong or bad about it, except thinking makes it so. So I don't wish to think that. If I feel drawn to it, I'm going to be drawn to it. Uh, other things, I, I just don't need to make them bad anymore. 
Because then I'm going to feel like, oh, I love ice cream and it's such a sacrifice. I can't have it. You see, I, I work with a lot of people who are struggling with addictive compulsive tendencies like I, I used to for most of my life. And the secret to me was to stop making it bad. Stop making it wrong. Because what it all does, and I've talked about this recently, it all just triggers us into feeling guilty and ashamed and bad and wrong. And that's the whole point of it. So if we don't want to feel bad, ashamed, stupid, and wrong, let's stop making the meaning of anything in this world, including drinking, smoking, sex, whatever it is. So I used to self-medicate with alcohol, and um, that was a real issue for me. And I would go, I could easily go a, a year without drinking, but then I'd, the next year, I'd be self-medicating with alcohol all over again. So, but now I just notice, like, I give myself permission anytime I want to have a drink or do anything like that, I can. Uh... I I just don't have an interest in it. I just don't. Like sometimes I think I love hard cider. I just love it. I think it's so delicious. But I just don't feel called to drink it. There's one place here in Vermont where I get takeout and um, they have hard cider on tap and you can get a mason jar filled with it. Nice, good, fresh hard cider. But I've just never done that. I haven't done that. Uh, years past, I might go and have a cider with dinner in the restaurant. Of course, you can't sit in the restaurant right now but because of the virus, but I could get it to go, but I just, nah. And, uh, but I don't say no alcohol. Christmas time, I was with my family, and I, I had you know, a glass of wine here and there, and that was fine. It's no big deal. Not making it right, not making it wrong. But just noticing, oh, I had two glasses of red wine and today I don't feel as good. I don't feel as good. So that naturally will make me feel like I don't wish to do it. But when I make things bad and wrong, then I used to really be drawn to it. So that's one of the things, see, that's one of the tricks of religion is it preys upon people's unconscious guilt. And what it does is it creates this hamster wheel of you're a sinner and these things are sins and you like them. That's what makes you a sinner. And if you don't engage of them, you can get free of the sinner label as far as other people are concerned. But you'll still know you're a sinner. So people abstain publicly in order to be viewed as pious. But privately, they think of themselves as sinners, so they engage in the sins. But if we stop making everything a sin, then that attraction to doing the thing that pokes the unconscious guilt dissolves. It really does. So just if you want to smoke, smoke. Don't make it bad. Don't make it wrong. It's just smoking. It's not bad or wrong. And people can go on and on about how it's, not good for your body in this and that, but I am not a body. Either I believe it or I don't. Either I know it's true or I don't. Yeah, because we are only subject to that which we believe. That's a big one. That's a really big one. And that is all that the crucifixion is wrapped up into. We're only subject to that which we believe. The resurrection door, we don't know what lies behind it. We don't. Because we don't feel like Jesus 
came back from the resurrection and told us all about it. Those parts of the Gospels, we don't have enough because we don't have this experience in in growing up where there, there are all these stories where Jesus rolled back the stone and he walked among the people in Galilee and he was going around and eating the cheesecake and um, having uh, lots of rugula and uh, really enjoying himself, having a couple of beers and saying, oh, my God, this resurrection thing is awesome. I can't wait till everybody's resurrected. Let's focus on this. This is so, so awesome. I have never felt better, ever, ever. This is just the best. You definitely want to do this. There's not all that written down in all these stories. Instead, we have this incredibly intense attraction to the crucifixion through Christianity and going over it and over it and over it with the stations of the cross, and that Jesus died for our sins. And so that's the whole picture that we have related to resurrection is the crucifixion. So if we can give all of that up, and truly we can do it this way, give faith to your brother for faith and hope and mercy are yours to give. Look on your brother and see in him the gift of God you would receive. That's how we do it, is we give faith to our brother, recognizing God in our brothers and sisters. Oh, well, interesting. Love talking about the crucifixion. Come join me Easter Sunday or get the replay at Sundays with Spirit. Come join me in my Stop Playing Small retreat. Let's let's move towards the resurrection together. This is such a powerful time for us to stop playing small and stop standing in our own way. And uh, if you'd like to learn uh, this powerful prayer, practice, check out my prayer power. Lots of things happening at jenniferhadley.com. All right, let's pray. So grateful to place my hand on my heart once again and say yes to that higher Holy Spirit self leading us and guiding us all the way to our resurrection. We are grateful that we don't have to give up anything good. In gratitude, we share the benefit with all. We let it be. And so it is. Amen, amen, amen. I love you. Have a great week. Mm-hmm.